This is The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. The war between Ukraine and Russia has resulted in significant economic sanctions for the Russian economy. However, these sanctions have involved a delicate balance, driven by a need to put pressure on Putin without causing issues for our global fuel supplies. This week, the US government announced that it was banning the import of all Russian oil, natural gas and coal by way of an executive order. In 2021, the US imported almost 700,000 barrels of crude oil and petroleum from Russia every day. And the Biden administration is releasing more than 90 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Over in Europe, Germany is dependent on Russia's oil and gas. Russia provides more than 30% of the country's gas and 34% of its oil. In the UK, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has announced that the UK will be exiting all Russian oil by the end of the year and plans to end the use of Russian gas. So will we be able to make a transition away from Russian oil and gas? And what impact will this have on our global supply chains? On the oil supply, uh, uh, Russia is now the third largest producer of oil. Um, I think if you aggregate everything up, uh, it's about 10% of the the whole world oil picture. This is Hillard Huntington, Executive Director of Stanford University's Energy Modelling Forum. 10%, 10%, you kind of wonder, is that a lot? That is a significant amount because uh, over the next few months, weeks, months, uh, people have limited ability to, to shift away from uh, those, those types of, uh, that type of supply and, and try to bring on new uh, supply uh, areas onto the market. Uh, you know, like the U.S. market is, a, uh, is also a big producer, uh, but uh, it's difficult to extract a lot of uh, additional oil in the, in the uh, short run uh, because it requires some advanced planning and, and investment and so on. Uh, so it's difficult to do that. And then the other source that you have is the, uh, uh, the Middle Eastern supplies. And there it's a, it's a little more complicated. They, they do have some, some extra capacity. They could possibly fill it in. Uh, but there are some political uh, reasons. Uh, you know, the Saudis are not too uh, excited about uh, the current Biden administration. Uh, and so they've been a little reluctant to uh, bring on additional supplies. So the, uh, the long and the short of it is uh, in the immediate run, um, uh, there's a limit to how quickly you can kind of uh, shift away from that 10 percent of, uh, of the supplies. Uh, without running up the the uh, the oil and 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 the the gasoline prices uh, uh, rather significantly. You know, we've seen uh, several major giants in the in this in this field, or you know, oil and and gas, etc., announced that they're going to cut all ties with Russia. You know, BP uh, was quite quick on on that. Others like Shell hesitated. In fact, you know, Shell took the opportunity to try and buy you know discount oil from Russia, although now they've sort of backtracked and say they're cutting ties with Russia. Um, What impact would this have on our ability to maintain, uh, you know, a consistent supply of, of fuel around the world? Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be, it's, that'll have some, some, some impact where I think it's going to have, I mean, it it might have some, some immediate impact for sure, 
But where I think it's going to be be kind of kind of tough issues. One of the things that the the uh, oil companies, uh, I'm talking now, the, the major oil companies, the, the private sector, the, the Shells and the BPs and, and Exxon Mobil, is they bring a lot of technology with them, and and they they're and they know how to use the technology. And and a lot of the oil that that Russia has is not in. Uh, where they're in regions that are that are 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 challenging to uh, to extract, and and so technology is a real key part of that. And so I I'm actually rather concerned longer term about uh, uh, if you want to if you want to keep the oil and gas uh, flowing over a long period over a longer period uh, uh, long enough to uh, ease our way into the transition to a, to a, a, a perhaps a greener environment and, and, and a greener energy supply uh, sometime in the future, uh, I, I think we are going to need that continued technology going into the Russian supplies. And I, I'm just not that confident that, that that's going to happen under the long term. So I think the, the, the bigger impact there will be uh, will happen with those those companies pulling out. Uh, you're kind of taking a key element of this, of the longer run supply picture away. Divesting from a reliance on Russian oil and gas is not something that many countries can do in a short time frame. As I mentioned at the top of the show, countries like Germany rely heavily on Russian supplies. However, the European Union has outlined a plan to make Europe independent of fossil fuels by 2030. The plan involves a reduction in Russian gas of two-thirds by the end of the year. And the EU is looking to make sure their oil reserves are at 90% by October 1st. They are also considering temporary price limits to make sure that gas prices don't spike. But in the short term, what impact could the war with Ukraine have on energy security across Europe? Well, it's going to, you know, if they were actually to kind of uh, try to cut ties with uh, with the Russian uh, gas and the Russian oil, uh, that's a that's a big big shift. I mean, you know, you, you look around at different alternatives. Uh, uh, yes, you could probably uh, accelerate renewables a, a little bit. You can uh, uh, possibly get a few more supplies from. Uh, maybe you can get the Middle East supply. Uh, get a little bit more from there. Um, but it's. It's this is a big this is a relatively big chunk. I think there are two things that are operating against it. One is it's a fairly large chunk of fossil fuels supplies, and you're trying to do it in the immediate run. It's not like you know if you were talking about trying to ease yourself off this over uh, a 10, 20 year time period, that that's that gives you more, a lot more flexibility where you can do these kinds of things. You don't want to. Uh, uh, be completely oh, blase and say, oh, well, just go on uh, the way you, you have been doing things. But, but you want to make these steps uh, very judicious and you want to uh, uh, make sure that you really understand what you're going to get out of these, uh, this kind of a strategy. For most of us, where our energy comes from is actually not a conversation we often have. We know that fossil fuels are bad, But when you go and fill up your car, how often are you wondering where the oil that was used to make that fuel actually comes from? But maybe that's a question we should be asking ourselves. That's coming up after this short break.
if you're enjoying this episode of The Defrag and you want to support the work that we're doing, head on over to our website, thedefrag.com and become a Defrag member. You can get an ad-free version of the podcast, a sticker pack, a regular newsletter and discounts to our merch. Plus, there's a number of other perks depending on your membership level. Becoming a member is really the best way to support the show. It empowers us to produce independent journalism and gives you the best of the podcast without all the noise. So head on over to our website, thedefrag.com and become a member today. When we look at our global fuel supplies, the way most of us interact with this market is at the Bowser, when we fill up our cars. And since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, fuel prices around the world are climbing. Here where I'm based in Australia, we're now seeing prices of more than $2 per litre. A common price for us would be less than $1.50. And in the US, prices are now at an all-time high of around $4.17 per gallon, which is up 18% since the Russian invasion. So how high can these prices go? Well, uh, what's going to happen, I think, is uh, uh, eventually when people start seeing higher prices and they start realizing that this situation is is more of a... it's more than just what's happening over a, a week or two. It's, it's actually going to be happening for a while. The uh, uh, consumers are going to be be cutting back on on gasoline consumption and and, and, and and oil consumption. I mean, that's clearly one of the things that's going on here. Uh, uh, it, it's painful. I mean, it's it's really really painful for for a number of people who are who are uh, really dependent on this on this stuff. Uh, so that's what's going to happen. Is eventually the uh, as the prices uh, stay high for for a length of time, people are going to uh, find ways to uh, use less fuel, uh, produce different types of products, try to get a few, uh, try to get some additional supplies from el- from, from from other uh, locations. Uh, but that's that's what's going to that's what's going to really really drive it is uh, people will adjust adjust to these higher prices and. And and that's that's pretty much kind of kind of what you, what you go what you go with, and that's why I think you want to be careful with uh, how how strongly you push. I mean, a complete ban on all this stuff is is, is 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 a great political statement, but you want to make sure that you're not uh, putting the screws on your own economy as well. You know, if if we do see this sort of like sustained, uh, you know, increase uh, in the price of fuel for consumers, do you think this will, you know, help accelerate a transition uh, across to electric vehicles, etc., um, that don't rely on uh, on traditional fossil fuels? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad you 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 raised this uh, this issue. I was going to uh, raise it earlier, but uh, but I think this is a, 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 one of the important issues. I, I I often on these issues, I I think of kind of the short run and the long run issues. The short run issue is kind of how do you get yourself off of these unstable supplies of of oil and gas and and try to pick up other supplies of oil and gas that are more stable and that that will then try to and how do you reduce your own consumption. And that that will kind of uh, restore the prices, but but the longer run issue I, I think is very uh, it's, it's it's an interesting one, and I think uh, the way I, I look at it is that the 
the long-run implications of a climate policy is to, you know, move us to a situation where our our, our vehicles and our homes and our industry are using more electric power where that where they can, uh, provided that the electric power is produced by a, a combination of renewables or nuclear or some other advanced technology, or it's a, or it's or, or even energy efficiency applications, if, and we're moving. If, and so that movement towards a, a more climate-friendly environment is exactly what's going to happen out of the uh, this uh, 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 this energy vulnerability issue we're, we're wrestling with, with the oil and gas uh, coming coming out of, uh, uh, out of Russia. So I think it's uh, so this, this Russian situation is just in the longer run. It's going to just reinforce the movement to uh, to to move away from these uh, 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 to move away from fossil fuels in general. Because uh, the the bottom line is that a lot of these fossil fuels are, are 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 not all of them. Certainly, there are a lot of stable regions producing oil and gas, but a lot of the oil and gas are being produced in regions uh, like Russia and any of the the countries now supporting the Russian view, which has been. Saudi Arabia, and it's also been uh, um, a, uh, the, 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 the United Arab Emirates. Uh, you know, a lot of these uh, countries seem to be playing along uh, with this Russian situation, and so uh, because of that uh, vulnerability in the supply issue, it's just going to uh, add, add uh, impetus to to move uh, the whole energy transition. Uh, and make it a, a more quick, uh, a quicker transition than would have been the case otherwise. Do you think this will change the global conversation about where we get our fuels from? Um, you know, and not just talking about the transition to renewables, but, you know, we, we will require oil and, and gas for at least the midterm future. Um, do you think that this particular crisis will change that conversation and, and make us think about where we get our fuels from in the future? I, I, yeah, that's kind of a complicated issue, but I, I, I think it will in one sense that um, countries that restrict supplies and, and, you know, the Russians, you, you got to understand not only are we putting constraints on, on what the Russians can export, but the Russians have always used this uh, issue against They've always used the gas issue uh, very much against uh, the natural gas issue, uh, very much against the Europeans. They, Look, you guys are really dependent on it. You guys don't want to mess with us because we're, we're going to take it out on you. And that works for a while while people are dependent. But over the longer term, it, when you look at well, you know Saudi Arabia uh, when it, uh, and the Middle East, uh, when they cut off supplies uh, back, way back in the 70s, yeah, people did finally go back depend on them a while, but uh, people always were very reluctant about uh, uh, going back in a... I, I think it kept people to be a little more reserved. Uh, and I remember uh, another situation where I think it was Tunisia had natural gas they were sending off to Italy and they cut off Italy. And the Italians just had no interest at all in, 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 in getting getting that that gas back. At least it, it took them a long time. So so I think it makes makes people very reluctant to uh, uh, depend upon supply sources that are not have demonstrated in the past that they are not reli- reliable.
also making news today. Volkswagen has unveiled the ID Buzz, their electric minibus that kind of resembles an old combi van, albeit smaller. The Buzz has a 77 kilowatt hour battery and comes in both a standard and cargo arrangement, depending on what you want to do with it. It's going on pre-sale for May and should be available later in the year. However, we don't yet know what the final pricing will be. Newsletter creation platform Substack has released a new iOS app designed to bring all of your subscriptions into one place. Substack has become a popular tool amongst independent journalists and other writers looking to build a community around their work. It's an interesting move from Substack considering that most people already get their newsletters in one place, their email inbox. And the New York Times is reporting that David Bennett Sr., the first human to receive a heart transplant from a pig, has died. The xenotransplantation surgery took place in January and used the heart of a genetically altered pig. It's not yet clear why Mr. Bennett had died or whether his body had rejected the organ, but it's hoped that one day we'll be able to use animal organs in transplant surgeries to help address the shortage of human organs. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Christopher Lawson. If you want to catch up on previous episodes of the show or to become a member and get an ad-free version of the podcast, head across to our website, thedefrag.com. That's all we have today. I'll be back with more tomorrow.